Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And as always, if you want to go beyond this podcast and connect with our community of like-minded vegan entrepreneurs, then head over to veganbusinesstribe.com where you can get new free content every week. And you can also join our paid membership to take part in all our online events, join our business clinics, use our forums, even studying our vegan marketing course, and just get a whole lot more to help you with your vegan business whilst also helping us to keep our content free. Now, this episode is the second half of our panel on how to fund your vegan business, and it was recorded live at VegFest UK as part of our series of vegan business panels. Now, as I said in the first episode, we would usually do a panel like this in a lovely auditorium in front of a live audience, but just like so many events, VegFest UK, they've had to move their programme of events and talks online, which means we recorded this through the one of video conferencing software to bring together a panel of experts into a virtual room. If you haven't listened to part one yet, well, first of all, why not? But you might want to jump back to episode 12. And in part one, I first interviewed Nick Mayhew of VFIN. And Nick compared both traditional and modern ways of raising money and getting finance from banks and lenders right through to crowdfunding. And I also then spoke to Claire Smith, founder of Beyond Animal and Beyond Vesting, who is her herself an impact investor in the vegan marketplace and Claire spoke about what investors are actually looking for and how to go out there and find them. So as we move on to the second part our next panellist brings all these topics together and it's Mike Hill from One Planet Pizza or OPP as he refers to the company and as One Planet Pizza has grown Mike has gone through several different rounds of funding from equity-based crowdfunding to attracting angel investors and he's just got so much information to share about how he did it now make sure that you don't switch off after mike has finished though because i then bring all the experts back together to answer questions that were submitted from vegan business tribe members and there is just as much good information in the q a as in the separate interviews so you really don't want to miss that Okay, so I'll now pass back to continue the panel recorded live as part of VegFest UK. We're going to now move on to our final expert. And once we finish speaking to Mike, we're going to have some questions for the entire panel. Um, But first of all, I'm going to introduce Mike Hill, who is the co-founder of One Planet Pizza, who is the UK's first vegan frozen pizza company. And now I believe, Mike, you could actually order One Planet um, direct to your door now throughout the UK, can't you? You certainly can. OPP Direct. We launched it in January. It's almost as if we knew COVID was coming, but we didn't, honestly. Um, but yeah, no, it started off very small scale, but it's um, at its peak. It was about 30% of our monthly turnover and it grew 800% in, in three months. So it's a very um, important part of our business now. Absolutely. And now I know that One Planet Pizza, you've been one of the real rising stars of a vegan food retail scene uh, over the last couple of years. And part of that growth, you've been through a number of rounds of raising finance for your, for One Planet Pizza in a number of different ways, which is, makes you a very interesting person to talk to about funding. So can you just tell me a little bit about One Planet Pizza, but also about what funding the company has gone through over the last couple of years? 
Yeah, sure. So myself and, and Joe, most people know it's a father and son team. We came up with the concept about five years ago. Um, we started producing about four and a half years ago. And it was very much as, as uh, Claire described that we started off, I was actually running a vegetarian vegan restaurant at the time. So we had a kitchen handy enough. We started making the pizzas. We started doing tasting for the Norwich vegan community, which is very, very strong. Um, and then we started selling it in a few local shops, which I knew personally. Uh, Norwich is very lucky to have you know, three or four very good uh, independent health stores. And then, you know, move regional, we got up to about 15, 20. But sorry, just to take you back, before we launched, we actually um, thought, well, you know, how, what's the best way to do this funding wise? And I'm, I'm, must admit, I'm quite cautious. I don't, I quite like taking risks, but I, the businesses I've been involved in in the past have always grown quite organically and, and slowly. So, you know, the story over the last four or five years has been about quite steady or, you know, organic growth, certainly not exponential like some other businesses. Um, but I think we've got a very firm basis because we wanted to grow through independent health stores. That's our strength, really. Mm -hmm. And rather than take the pizzas and just put everything into going to the big supermarkets with all the inherent risks on that, we've really grown up um, you know, very steadily, 15, 30, 150, now 450 independent health stores before we got our listing on, our, on Ocado a couple of years ago and before we got a listing on Whole Foods um, about a year ago and a few and, and co-op and a few other medium-sized stores. But I would say at least 50% of our business is still sold to independent health stores, both in the UK and across Europe now. Yeah, which and is funding wise, sorry, sorry, David, go on. No, I, I was just going to say, so I know you've looked at two different types of, of, of crowdfunding in the past and you've done angel investing as well. Yeah. Uh, but let, let, let's just talk about crowdfunding first, though, because I know that there's two different types of crowdfunding. Is that there's equity crowdfunding where people are, in essence, being lots of investors all coming together and they're buying a share of a company. But then there's rewards based crowdfunding, which is close to people pre-ordering a product or getting a reward for funding the business. So which one of those did you do as One Planet Pizza and why? Yeah, we did the equity um, crowdfunding. Um, we were the first uh, vegan business to do it, actually, in Europe at the time, because it must have been well, yeah, four, four and a half years ago that we that we did it. We only raised a small amount of money. We only raised £20,000. It wasn't so much the money that we did it for, but as Nick mentioned earlier, it's the story, the PR, um, and, the, and, and we ended up with 104 investors, um, average £200 each. But we used them to spread the word um so they were our people that we went to with the ideas and 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 uh, concepts for the new flavors and it's been you know pretty much all of them have stayed with us we recently we'll talk about our recent crowd um recent funding round uh, in a second and a few of them have decided to to cash out now as it uh, as it were but most of them 90 percent have stayed uh, have stayed with us and the reason i guess we did the equity was that i mean donation is a lot simpler uh, there's less regulations, but I just didn't think that people would have such uh, a buy-in. And, and back in those days, it was a unique concept of mm. trying to get vegetarians and vegans who weren't really investors to put in 50, I think the minimum was 40 pounds. So we've got a lot of people putting 40 pounds, few people put in 200, 500. We only had three or four people that put in over a, um, 2,000 pounds. So we had this collection of people and again, back in those times, pretty much all of them were vegetarian or vegans because the money wasn't following the plant-based business mm. sector at, uh, at that stage. So it was, and, and you know, we knew quite a lot of them personally. 
we had a few in, in um, mainland Europe. We even had one in Australia. We had a lot of interest from American vegans, but they couldn't invest because it, back then it was very difficult for Americans to invest in, in crowdfunding. So it was really, um, and it was a novel story to take to Cedars at that time. They've grown a lot, um, you know, since then. But back then it was a really nice story for them to have a, you know, a plant-based pizza business uh, on the platform. Absolutely. And it's interesting what you just mentioned there, because I know some vegan businesses who have done crowdfunding campaigns and they've not actually been successful in raising the money, but they got so much exposure out of it for the business that they just can still considered it a, a success. Yeah, definitely. And I'd, I'd stress what um, I think it was Nick mentioned that, especially these days, the crowdfunding platforms really, they look. It's, it's a lot tougher, I think, now than it used to be because it's uh, much more established. There's more companies going on it. And really you need to have, most of the time they're looking for you to have perhaps 30, 40% of what you're trying to raise already in the pot. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. You can't go along and say, oh, I want to raise a hundred thousand and I've got 5,000 committed. Um, the, 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 you know, those platforms are really looking for you to have minimum 30% because people often wonder why, you know, when it launches, bang, straight away, when it's 50%. And it's because of all the hard work that's gone into it uh, beforehand. If you look at um, you know, Live um, not Live if you look at um, Vegan Kind and all plants yeah. who have done big crowdfunders recently, and look at their the investors that have gone in, you know, prior to going public, it's it's the usual crowd, the people that are very active in UK and Europe that have come in with some substantial figures to get them up to that 30, 40, 50 percent, and then, as Nick said. It's over to the, the the database, and it's a much larger database now that Cedars Crowdcube have, um, and, and to come on board and finish off the final fifty percent. Absolutely, and I think what we're talking about there is a lot of those companies they've gone down the investment route, haven't they? So they're asking people to put money in for part of a business, and I know that one of the downsides to rewards-based crowdfunding, which is probably what most people who haven't done crowdfunding before are more popular with, it's things like you know the, the Kickstarters and, and the crowd um, yeah, yeah. things like that. that. That's really just taking sort of pre-orders, and you need to fulfil those orders after you've raised the money. So that might actually give you a little bit of a, a little bit of a cash flow if you're going down that route. Yeah, I think, but I think donation uh, crowdfunding, you know, could be, for example, uh, a restaurant business. I think it would work really well, you know, with a single business, a restaurant starting, want to start off, or perhaps you know, go to their second one because it's obvious that you could then, um, you know, if people invest a hundred pounds, you can give them a hundred and twenty pounds worth of food vouchers, can't you? Mm. Um, I mean, we did consider it, but we 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 just didn't think, well, how on earth are we going to reward people with frozen pizzas? Because back then we didn't think about delivering frozen pizzas to people's homes direct as we can, as we can now. Otherwise, you know, we, we may well have um, considered it. The other thing I'd point out about crowdfunding is it's quite expensive. Um, you know, the fees that the, the platform charge are significant, you know, much more than you would um, than going down an angel route or anything like that. So. Um, it wasn't too bad back then raising 20,000, but it's, just, it's, it's not really worthwhile going down the crowdfunding unless you're going to raise, you know, 50, 100,000 just because they're, they have a percentage fee, but they have a minimum fixed fee and it just gets very expensive if you're raising a small amount of money through it. And also they put the limit up back then, you know, they yeah. were quite happy to do 20,000 raises. Now I think their, their minimum is much, much higher. 
Absolutely. So how many rounds of raising has Planet, uh, One Planet Pizza done now? Because I know you did that original uh, raise for £20,000, but you've done other yeah. raises. And you've I also mean, brought some investors in as well, haven't you? Yeah, we have. So I guess the history is, and it, it, we've, we've done everything that's probably been mentioned. So I was lucky enough to have my own funding. So pretty much for the first two or three years, I, I lent the business you know, through director's loans, a reasonable amount of, of money. We did the small amount of crowdfunding right at the beginning. About three years ago, uh, we took on board an, an investor who um, was bringing other things apart from just the money, i.e. we talked about co-manufacturing and expertise in the, uh, in the sector. So, so they came on board about um, two, two and a half years ago. Um, and then for various reasons, um, VegCap then brought them out. So VegCap, Matthew, uh, Matthew Glover at Veg uh, Capital, you know, plant-based investment fund. They bought into us um, about nine, ten months ago, and then we're just literally, hopefully, next week finalising our, our latest round, which I guess would really be our third, our third round of of funding. And this round, we considered, you know, whether to go back back to Cedars and do the crowdfunding. And I, and and I think because you know we quite we're quite attracted to that because we're we've got a reasonably good. Um, brand profile, you know, a strong father-son story. Um, if anything, you know, the brand makes us seem bigger than we actually are. A lot of people have heard about One Planet Pizza yes. and they don't realise actually how small a business um, we are because we've been quite successful on social media. Joe does, Joe does a great job on 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 that. So we were we were quite tempted to go to go back and do the um, the crowdfunding, but I guess with um, with with VegCap on board as a lead investor, they introduced us you know quite successfully to the network for want of a better word of of plant-based investors in uk and europe and and so it was um i think a it was cheaper you know less fees to pay b it was probably quicker and c one or two of the investors also bringing along expertise as well as uh, as well as money although very interestingly two of the larger investors in our in the round that we're about to close are not in the plant-based sector at all. They're angels that came through a local network um, based around Norwich and East Anglia, and they've actually ended up being two of the larger investors in this round. Neither of them are vegan. Uh, neither of them have ever invested in plant-based before. But in some ways, they were more open, I think, to the story and the opportunity than some of the, the seasoned mm. um, vegan investors uh, who, who are in UK and Europe. And you know, Claire's smiling there. I could see that. But you know um, what? Yeah, I, I, Sorry, go on, Claire. I think some, some of us, yeah, I think some of the people, some of us people who've been in it for longer um, are kind of thinking that, uh, that, you know, the best opportunities have gone. Gone, yeah. <laughs> well, not gone, no, I think but, you're you know, absolutely right. Because we were so early, we got the best opportunities. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm super happy to see more people um, coming into this space and providing this follow-on funding, um, yeah. with the with the best will in the world, the very small group of investors that were in it since the beginning. And I remember in tw early 2017, I was in a, a room in San Francisco. We had a kind of mini kind of conference, but it was it was really just to sort of get to know each other and just see a few pitches. And there were literally maybe 30 people in in the room. And those were the kind of core people who who, who put money into into the space from 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 then. 
Um, but, uh, you know, with the best good in the world, it, it, it wouldn't get as far as it needs to go with just those 30 people. You need to have more investors coming in. So I'm very happy to see other investors come in. And, um, and on the Beyond Animal platform, we will have, you know, we have a membership um, available to angel clubs as, as well so that they can, they can uh, join in on these, uh, these raises and immediately get sort of up to, up to speed on, on, on all the deals. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike, just, just following up on this point, because we, we're using this word, word angel a lot, and that might be not something that if people haven't gone into investing before, they don't quite know what that means. But this is, um, you know, basically an individual putting yeah. money in, in, into your business. So what kind of difference does that make to running a company? Because at that point, you're not just responsible to yourselves mm -hmm. anymore, are you? You know, you, you've got a group of shareholders pretty much watching you over your shoulder. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're going to end up with an interesting collection of shareholders because we've got um, you know, a percentage owned by crowdfunders, we've got a percentage owned by an investment fund, Veg Capital, and then we've got a percentage owned by three or four um, angel, angel investors. Um, I think the, the, the answer to that is it just totally depends on the investor. You know, one of the investors who's come in, as I say, not vegan or plant-based, really doesn't want to know anything apart from you know, an annual, some sort of annual report on how his investment's doing. But one of the other guys whose um, daughter is um, plant-based, and that's one of the reasons he invested, just because uh, his daughter was buying the pizzas and loved them. Um, and that's something to, you know, don't ever discount that little personal in. You know, the number of times. So all the people that invested uh, in this round, they all came and visited the factory, and, and they all had quite a few samples of pizzas as well. <laughs> Um, so, you know, don't under, and, and, and some of them, even though they weren't vegan, as I say, they had daughters or sons that were very interested in the, in the space. And that's, sort of the, so we always have this uh, generation of investors that have been influenced by their children who perhaps are more open and interested in being plant-based and, and they're talking to their mum and dad and asking for vegetarian, vegan food. And that sort of influenced them up. Just, sorry, just to go back to your question, it just totally depends. So, now we are just about structuring um, the board, who's going to be our investment director, who wants what and when. And some, some of the investors will want a quarterly report. Some won't want anything more than once a, once a year. So it totally depends on the different, um, on the different angel, I think. Absolutely. And that leads into the real burning question, which I think people watching this will have now, is how do you find these people? You know, how did you first get yeah. investors interested in your business? I, mean, I, you, yeah. you, I, mean, I know you did a lot of work on pitch decks and things like that, but were you actually going out and finding these people or did you find that people were starting to come and find you? A little bit of both. Um, I would talk, definitely talk, don't discount, and I hope people aren't, don't discount finding investment outside of the plant-based you know, investment sector. Because our, the angel network that we approached is called the New Anglia Capital Group, um, and they have about 50 angels um, who, who are interested in investing primarily in local businesses. And so they, and we presented to, to them. Another thing we haven't talked about is EIS. One of the things that we had was that we had some bad advice early, early on in our company and were told that we couldn't get um, uh, EIS. Um, I'll, I'll leave Claire or, or Nick to explain the benefits of that. But it is quite important. If you're going for invest, investment from angels, having EIS is... Uh, is what is does that stand important. for? What, what does that stand for? Uh, Enterprise Investment Scheme. Okay. Um, and it, it basically makes it much more tax beneficial for, for UK individuals to 
invest in in higher risk businesses. And so we recently um, discovered that we we were eligible. We got our advanced insurance, and that opened the door to a couple of the angels coming on board. And how do we contact them? Well, we actually went to our our LEP, our local economic partnership. Every okay. region in the UK has a an LEP, and if you approach them. I think they're, they're much more open to plant-based businesses now than they were four or five years ago. A lot of the LEPs have then angel networks associated with them. And the way it usually works is, you know, you, you've got your deck and your business plan, you send it in and it goes through some sort of scrutiny and then you get an opportunity at the moment to, do, you, to pitch online. And sometimes there's 30, 40, 50 um, you know, angels who are sitting there and, and, and interested. It only needs one or two of them to suddenly make that connection with your product, with your story, um, through that personal connection that I mentioned earlier. And that can, can sometimes be you know, easier. And I think, <laughs> I think they're probably, they're, they're not as hard, they're not as scrutinizing plant-based business plans as hard as people probably like Claire are at the moment. Because as wow. Claire said, she got in early and had earlier opportunities. She, she'll get dozens of plant-based business plans and pictures. If you go to your local LEP, they may only get one or two, so it's quite new and exciting to them. That, that is absolutely fantastic, Mike. And, and again, this is, um, you know, we could talk about this for a lot longer. And I know that if you do go to our website at veganbusinesstribe.com, we have spoken with you for a lot longer as well. I, yeah. I think we, we ended up talking for about two hours and we, we edited that down to about 45 minutes. So there's so much inf information there. So thank you so much, Mike, for your time. And just to repeat, you are Mike Hill from One Planet Pizza. Uh, you are changing the world one slice at a time, I think you like to say. <laughs> but if, if people want to find out more about One Planet Pizza or even put an order in for delivery, where do they go? Yeah, just go to the website. It's uh, all and all our social media is is one planet pizza, nice and simple. And we're taking orders for our our, cross, our Christmas special as we speak. We sold five hundred five hundred to date. <laughs> The only pizza in the world with Brussels sprouts on it. <laughs> <laughs> and that is absolutely fantastic. Right. Thank you, Mike, so much. And I think between all our experts there, we've, we've got a really good overview of all the different options of, you know, the ways you can fund a vegan, vegan business. But I also put a call out to some of our vegan uh, business tribe members to ask what questions they had about funding. So I've got some questions here lined up um, that I'm going to put to the panel. Now, we haven't got lots of time, so let's, let's just see if we can get through a couple of them at least. Um, but if you did submit a question and it doesn't get answered in this session, then just drop me an email on hello at veganbusinesstribe.com and I'm sure we can set up some uh, follow-ons to get some answers as well. Um, now, um, so the first question we've been asked, if I just bring it up on my screen. So, okay, this is quite an obvious one. And I'm going to come to Nick first on this, but how do you decide how much money you actually need to raise? Now, I'm guessing if you're looking to buy um, something like a, a piece of equipment or buy some premises, for instance, then that's quite easy to work out how much you need. But if you just know that you need money to grow a business how should you base those calculations yeah so it's what um claire touched upon uh in her intro chat so it's looking at yeah. salaries look at the capital costs coming up and really really putting in a plan of how you're going to use that money um, and make making sure a it's enough um because you know you don't want to borrow thirty thousand for a marketing plan and realize you need 50 um but also that you're not, um, if it's something you're looking at borrowing, that you're sort of not over borrowing and you can afford to make those repayments. Um, and so if that's something that's based on a forecast, I believe it's good to make several forecasts, you know, a worst yeah. case, a mid case and a best case scenario. Uh, but probably base it off your worst case, just in case, you know, and see if you can still factor in those repayments. Yeah, let me, I'll, I'll jump in there. because. <laughs> 
it's very interesting. I think that um, you know some some people advise you to you know raise as much money as you can, but actually, uh, one of the investors came on board and said, "Let's raise as little as you need, because mm -hmm. let's do as much as we can with as little money." Because you've got to remember that you know, you're giving away equity, and it's all very, it may be great to get a big investor on board and get loads of money, and uh, but you may regret giving away that uh, too much equity uh, early on. So yeah. it's a really fine balance. You don't want to you want, don't want to you know hold back your growth by not having enough money to expand. But equally, there's no point in raising money just for the sake of it. It's going to be sitting there in the bank account. You know, so I think you need to be really targeted about and say, okay, we're going to raise you know 100, 200, 300, whatever it is, and this is why you know we need it. And make sure in your mind that it's definitely worth giving away what you need to give away in those early stages for that amount. For that amount. Yeah, I think there's definitely an interplay. Thank you. An interplay between this, 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 you know, the the, the raises in equity and also the debt. And it, it drives me crazy when I see companies that are growing immediately think that they need to make more equity investment and they plan this big round when they the part of that should be going into um, the debt financing that Nick was talking about earlier, particularly for the production. People should not be raising capital for production. I mean, if you have no revenues and so you've got nothing, in the, nothing to base debt on, then fine, your first capital injection would be equity. But then after that, if you have the turnover, you should look to debt first before you then go on to equity and raise as little as you need to in equity at the highest valuation you can. Because if you can do that and then show more traction, then you can plan the next raise at a higher valuation. And so each time you are giving up less and less equity. Big thing to remember, you can only sell the equity once. Once you've sold it, you've lost it, it's gone, and you'll never get it back. And people think that there's high rates on things like purchase order financing, receivables financing. Well, the, the, there is the interest rate on equity is multiples of the amount of, equ of, of equity investment that, that you're, you're receiving. Why? Because that's what these VC funds are expecting. They never go into a company unless they anticipate getting multiples of that amount back in return. And so against that, debt financing is very cheap. Absolutely. Now, that's actually going to lead us slightly into our next question we've got here, which is not just covering debt, but we've we've talked a lot about raising money for a successful business. But as we know, this year, you know, gosh, it's been a hell of a business, uh, sorry, a hell of a year for so many different businesses. So if you are a company that's maybe facing some sort of distress, maybe you've gone into, you know, your overdrafts or you've gotten into debt, is any of the funding solutions we've spoken about a good route out of that for a business in distress? Or are you moving into thin ice if you're doing a crowdfunder, for example, just to you know, clear the overdraft and pay the staff. Gosh, um, David, a lot, I mean, uh, most companies, maybe stretching a bit, a lot of companies that crowdfund aren't making the money. <laughs> you know, there's a people people see um, and hear a lot of you know great publicity about plant based businesses, but you know, a, a lot of them aren't making money yet. Um, it's not all you know rosy out there, and it's quite possible to grow quite quickly. And still, you know, not be profitable. We all know, you know, a lot of the big biggest companies in the world don't make money yet. So, I think it depends on the story. From a crowdfunding point of view, definitely, you know, a lot of crowdfunding. Um, when a crowdfunding, I looked at one or two of the larger ones that went on Cedars recently, and the financial information that they were giving away 
to um, the average investor on seed. It was really interesting. They were just talking about growth and revenue. They weren't talking about profitability or break even or anywhere. Yes. Now, they, did, they just didn't want to disclose the fact that, yes, they're growing fast, but they're, they may not be getting any closer to breaking, um, to breaking even. So certainly crowdfunding you know, is a route, but it's, the, it's all about the story, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nick, Nick yourself. So if a company was come to you, a vegan company, and said, look, we're looking for funding options to get out of distress, not to grow, what sort of advice would you give them? Um, I guess it depends what's triggering the distress, whether it's they've taken on too much debt and the repayments are killing them, um, for want of a better phrase, uh, whether they've lost a big contract. Um, so, yeah, it really depends on what's causing the stress because borrowing more money. Um, there's this phrase I heard the other day, it was quite nice, it used to be called Cash Cow, but now they're calling them zombie companies. Um, a company that's geared up with too much debt uh, is just there to service its creditors and that's it. So it's about identifying the reasons, looking at what's caused the distress in the first place. If it's something like they're taking out four or five business loans, can that be consolidated into one or a lower interest rate? Um, to be honest, normally when you're at that point and you're in distress and you've lost some revenue, that's not really a great option. So maybe they'd have to look at something like an equity raise. Um, but again, probably the uh, maybe Claire would agree here, but probably the worst time to raise money is when you really need it because you're you're desperate. Um, you're probably going to have to accept a lower valuation and you're against the clock. Whereas when you're not against the clock or if you've got ample time to raise funds, um, that's probably when you're in the best position to do so. Yeah. Um, but again, if a business is maybe in some distress because they've lost a contract, but they're heavy on assets, then that's something that can be refinanced. Um, it really depends on what the issue is, what the stress is and what's causing that pressure. If it's just payment terms, that's something that can be easily sold with receivables finance. Um, if they've, Got, if they've got a long lead time between uh, receiving their stock or their raw materials, then you know purchase or trade or um, purchase order or trade finance can help solve that issue. But yeah, it's about identifying what's causing the distress because if it's if it's a business that isn't viable and you just chuck money at it, uh, it's just you're just lengthening that. Um, Absolutely. Well, I mean, Nick, what, what do you think to, you know, specifically looking at where we are at the moment in 2020 and the pandemic, the government in the UK, they are offering bounce back loans. And that's between, I think, 2000 and, uh, you know, and up to 50,000. Um, is that a good idea to look at something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's the cheapest money we're probably ever going to borrow in our lives. Um, it's just three for 12 months, isn't it, I think? Interest, yeah, so the interest is serviced by the government for the tw first 12 months, then it goes on to a five-year term. I think they're talking about extending it to 10, okay. but 2.5% interest rate. So you can borrow up to 25% of your turnover uh, under that scheme, up to £50,000. And then on the larger ones, you're looking at the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme, which is not as easy to fund as bounce-back loans. Bounce-back loans have limited checks. It's just making sure you're not uh, committing fraud or laundering money. Um yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, there's a, a clause that you weren't in distress in 2019. So if you take that money out, obviously there's no checks and there's no judgment here if anyone did take out that money uh, while being in distress. But again, it's whether you're adding more debt onto a problem or whether taking on that debt's going to help you solve that problem. So it's key to identify what the issue is and take the right steps accordingly. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. Thank you, Nick. Now, uh, just moving on to our next question, I'm going to come to Claire with this one. And, and Claire, if you've got any comments on the previous uh, question, add those too. But um, we specifically asked about the ethics of funding. So I think this is a little bit of a nod towards Oatly when they faced a, uh, when they faced a backlash from some of its customers when they took investment from Blackstone. And Blackstone have got a little bit of a mixed background in what else, what else they've invested in. But can you really have much of a say about where the money comes from that's been invested in your vegan business? Is there enough completely green and ethical funding to go around? Well, uh, certainly the answer is no, but I think I think people should definitely um, do that kind of due diligence on 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 their um, on their investors. Um, you know, if they can, if they are really caught in a spot, um, then they may not be able to do that. They maybe have to take money from from um, sources they might prefer not to. But I don't think Oatly was in that situation. I think it was a very sought after deal, and they could have done. Um, more, more due diligence. Um, I would also say in terms of ethics in funding, um, in the last comment on distress, um, on companies getting into distress, I have seen companies get into distress because of the bad practices of funders, of um, investors. Um, and a couple of situations, ironically with the same VC, um, where, a com where companies were uh, you know, dangled the carrot of, yeah, we're definitely going to invest, we're definitely going to invest, we'll, we'll be the lead investor, uh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, and then either pulled out or gave very, very bad terms that none of the other investors would accept. Um, and those companies, well, one went into distress, it's being bought out now, um, it's gone to um, one of its uh, co-manufacturers are taking over the business and will be producing, they were producing the product anyway, they have deep pockets and they're taking over the brand um, we'll be moving forward with it. Um, and in the other one, they were bought out by an associated company, which uh, again was was a, a rather, let's say, murky situation um, that, uh, you know, VC fund A, uh, which is associated with company B, and company B ended out buying um, the brand of uh, the company that VC fund A had had, had not, uh, not gone ahead with their financing on. So um, when you talk about ethics in funding, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's the ethics of investors that are outside the vegan sphere, which, um, you know, which can be called into question if they have, you know, investments in coal or deforestation and all the rest of it, which I think was the issue with Blackstone. But I think you also need to be aware that the ethics of, of, of people within, you know, the existing plant-based world um, are, are, yeah, they're business people, and some have, have run companies in the past. You know, they're very savvy. They, uh, they, they are are not only in it for the impact, let's say, um, and uh, and um, you know, and so I would I would certainly be be doing some some checks and find out what had happened before to some of uh, the previous investments that they've made, um, and uh, and know some of these backstories. Absolutely. And, and I think just, just being fair to Oatly, I mean, they made the counter argument that they wanted to show these large investment funds that they could get better return investing in ethical companies. And, and, and Mike, is that something that, that you're finding you're doing because you're getting people outside of a vegan sphere um, investing in One Planet Pizza? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a big question to end on, I know. Yeah, it is. I mean, you could. Do, I think the uh, the whole Oatly thing is really, really interesting, and I, it's interesting. And, and I do think Claire's right that I think uh, that they could have, um, if they had to take a deal, then you could understand it. But there must have been other options, and you do wonder if they didn't, why they didn't see that coming. 
and I know the counter argument that uh, you know that they've they've put, um, but it, it it seemed to come out a bit late. Anyway, who am I to criticise Oatly? They're arguably one of the most successful plant-based companies out there. Um, in terms of where the money comes from, I just I think it's I think it's really important that uh, that you're happy with your funding with your funders from an ethical point of view. Now, at the end of the day, you know, I think we're all in business. You're, you start this session off by saying that profit and making money is really important. It is. It's important because we want to have a sustainable, we want to have a sustainable business. Absolutely, absolutely. And if vegan plant-based businesses, you know, grow um, exponentially and then crash, and the only plant-based foods that we could end up being able to buy is being made by, you know, the meat and dairy giants, then I think that's a real sad, you know, situation. And I think there's a risk that that's going to, to happen. If you take our pizza business, for example, now we're now looking at moving into various Eurozone markets, and we're being asked to compete with a brand which looks very, very um, green, very ethnical. Um, I won't say which one it is, but it sounds like it's, you know, made in a, in a nice little kitchen, in, you know, down in the south of Italy or whatever by a lovely old plant-based couple. It's, it's actually made by Nestle, you know, and, and so these brands, and they're who we're having to compete now. So we're making 4,000 pizzas a week in our production unit in, uh, in Norwich. Sounds great. And we're having to compete with Nestle to get into, um, you know, supermarkets in Germany, Scandinavia, et cetera. Um, it's getting very tough to, to do that. Um, I don't think that actually answers your question, but it's an interesting point, David. <laughs> it, it, it is absolutely. But Mike, and, and being fair, I've got another page full of questions. We could have gone all afternoon, but we are now uh, pretty much out of time. So I'm going to wrap up if that's okay. So first of all, thank you so much to our three funding experts. And they were Nick Mayhew, who is the founder of VFIN and a vegan and ethical uh, business funding specialist. Give us a wave, Nick. Brilliant. Uh, Claire Smith, who is a vegan impact investor, and she's the founder of Beyond Animal, Beyond Investing, and Beyond uh, Impact. Gives away Claire. Uh, and finally, Mike Hill, co-founder of One Planet Pizza. And I genuinely could have kept that discussion running for another hour because it's not often that you get three people, not just with that level of expertise in funding together in one place, but also that are just so passionate about the vegan cause and helping vegan companies grow. So just to give you a quick recap, the experts in episode one, that was Nick Mayhew from VFIN and Claire Smith from Beyond Animal um, and Beyond Investing as well. And then in the second part, we spoke to Mike Hill from One Planet Pizza. And so that's it. And I'm really looking forward to doing more live panels with VegFest UK, especially when we're able to go back to in-person events and we can all sit around the same table together once more. But for now, if you enjoyed this, then please do tap that subscribe button or go and leave us a review if your podcast platform lets you do that. And as always, you will never know how much I appreciate you taking the time out to listen. I am blown away by some of the messages we get back and especially the success stories where people say that they've come to one of our vegan business clinics on the website or they've studied part of our vegan marketing course and that new information or advice, it's enabled them to go on and just do something amazing with their business because as I start out with all these episodes, it's not enough just to have 
a vegan business, you need to have a successful and sustainable vegan business. Otherwise, you simply can't help us move towards that vegan world. Thank you so much for your time today, and I'll see you on the next one.